Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. I'm going to throw it for a special guest today. Can you tell us in a few sentences who you are and what it is that you do? Hi, everyone. My name is Vinita Anand. I'm an engineering leader in Microsoft's cloud platform called Azure, and I'm responsible for um, advising customers who want to run their mission-critical workloads, particularly SAP, HPC, or high-performance computing, and VMware solutions on Azure infrastructure. Um, We are responsible for advising and partnering with uh, Microsoft's marquee customers to guide them through their customer journeys to the cloud while realizing the benefits of the cloud, particularly um, higher cost efficiency, greater agility, higher security, and so on. Um, We do help our customers um, architect, plan, deploy, migrate, and run their workloads um, successfully on Azure. Yeah, Azure's good stuff. Got lots of nice features and uh, I definitely like the quality that you get with uh, with Azure services. So uh, let's just jump right into it. I got some really, I think, uh, questions that are burning on my mind that I think you might have some answers for. So um, I'm hearing from some tech leaders that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Mike. The... Uh, definitely, you know, when we look at the uh, hiring um, and especially de- strong, diverse talent in technical roles, um, there are several blockers for that. Um, and, you know, one of the things that um, we recognize is that the pool of candidates is smaller and we are very cognizant of having to go and find that talent, right? It's not that the, the talent is going to be able to easily come to us. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's an area that um, we recognize that the talent exists, um, but we have to go look for it and find that talent. Sure. So I think it's that it's the searching or the lack of searching that leads people to say, it's just not there. It's not available. But, you know, I, I somewhat agree with, with your take that it is a, um, a smaller pool of talent. And so you do have to make sure you're networking and connecting with folks that can get you into the same places where they are so that you can bring those candidates, surface them and bring them into your organization for, for an interview, at least, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The traditional approach, I mean, of, you know, trying to find talent is you, you, you know, you create a job description, you post it on a website, um, you promote it in various forums um, and look for talent, Um, especially for, uh, you know, to attract great um, diverse talent. uh, One of the things that we try to do is, is make the job description more inclusive, you know, removing all the genderized language and, stuff that's that excludes that talent um and and then particularly we go looking for forums and events where we can find diverse talent to look for a match um the areas that i work in is particularly very specialized and requires deep domain expertise um you know sap or high performance computing have a, 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 a talent pool where if you are in that domain you're probably in that domain for your entire career so the pool is is um 
is is well understood and in and even though it's smaller one of the things that we realized there is that the power of networks is super important um and you know hiring managers intentionally look for uh talent in these areas so one of the practices that i've uh, adopted is to proactively seek diverse talent through our networks and uh, and it's a practice that, you know it's an intentional practice that um, hiring managers in this area who are looking for diverse talent do yeah i mean I, again i think the effort is need, needs to be there and it's not something where folks will easily come to you that are going to have not just the skill set but the demographics that you're hoping to infuse into organizations so i definitely uh, agree that's a great strategy. So what do you think about the remove to push CS degrees from some of the software engineering roles that are out there? I think it's a it's a great question and I, I'm very supportive of um, this. Um, generally when I think about my own experience of um, of of you know the various roles that I have performed through my career. Um, by the way, just for you know, just to give you some background, I have a, a degree in electronics and communications engineering, um, and that was a bachelor's degree. That's where I trained um, and had my education. And from there, I moved into the software industry. Um, when I, I physically moved to California and was seeking jobs, and I realized that. There were very few hardware embedded system or microprocessor um, roles, but instead there were several software roles available um, available uh, at that time. So I, to be honest, had some training in um, in programming. I had done some, you know, basic programming. Um, I had done a, a fair amount of logic and, and reasoning. You know, when you generally do an uh, engineering degree. Um, one does have that sort of uh, 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 science-oriented um, training. Um, from there, though, you know, picking up and uh, learning uh, concepts that were rooted in data, database concepts or you know programming concepts was not hard. And I, I, I if I was, um, if somebody was looking for someone who, you know, people who are looking for people for those who had a CS degree, I would certainly have not gotten a job at that time. Um, and I think that's uh, where I realized that, you know, the um, the industry needs is quite different from, you know, what we get taught in um, generally in, in, uh, in, in colleges and universities. Um, and I think there are ways where we can uh, certainly look at, you know, what, um, essential training is needed for to prepare um, pe- prepare people for jobs in the industry. But from there on, I do think that the that once you're once you know you're able to find smart talent, curious uh, minds, and uh, people who are passionate about um, uh, taking on challenges and problem solving. Um, I think they we would be able to tap into a, a pool of resources that we generally eliminate by you know by uh, having gates like CS degrees. I like that answer. So it's going to help me segue into this next one. Um, this next question I have is: Do you think apprenticeship patterns would work for technical roles? 
Yeah. Um, again, another awesome question. Uh, and there's a lot of great thought going into uh, this from various companies. Um, and the, uh, you know, we've heard um, thinkers, eminent thinkers saying, you know, degrees aren't needed. We can just get, get people, smart people matched up with companies and, and let's get them going in some sort of an apprenticeship uh, model uh, to get the, you know, the, um, the output that's, that's required as well as people, um, uh, you know, passionate, passionate people in the roles that they want. Um, I, I do agree that, um, uh, and just, you know, for people to fully understand apprenticeship, I suppose that you can think of it as, uh, as working on the job or getting paid on the job, um, while you learn, right? And it is, um, uh, I I think that once you have some sort of grounding um, in in science and technology, um, that sort of, uh, uh, you know, a relationship with tech, uh, with tech companies in apprenticeship roles will certainly give the output we're looking for. Um, I, I, I was, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I volunteer uh, to, uh, teach in a young entrepreneurship program, particularly for high school students. Um, and you know, in that program, we um, we we walk uh, high school students through the journey of you know what it takes to build um, uh, to ideate from ideation to you know thinking about validation of an idea to you know approaching customers, um, having an initial prototype, and taking it to market. And I was, I'm always amazed at how um, how quickly high school students are able to grasp um, these concepts and are able to effectively ideate. Um, there may be some blind spots, particularly in terms of exposure and experience, um, which can come with great mentorship. Um, but otherwise, in terms of capability, I'm quite blown away by <laughs> how uh, we can, you know, we're able to find very capable. Uh, young talent uh, who have had not, you know, no sort of formal um, education in, in those in those um, in those concepts. So, to your point on, you know, could we uh, could we make expensive? Can we make more cost effective decisions around how we can, um, uh, you know, train up talent and uh, and ha- make it available um, through programs like apprenticeship i do think that that's uh that's a great idea it's not my idea but i'll i'll take credit for uh like executing on it so so we have an apprenticeship program and i think it does sort of hit on a lot of those points really giving people an opportunity to demonstrate their capacity and capabilities and i think it's you know it's worked for for centuries right being able to sit and work next to a master so i like it for technology as well um what advice would you share with companies that are looking to retain diverse staff? So let's say they get talent in. How do you retain diverse talent? Yeah, um, that is a problem we are facing today and a real a real problem. Um, so when we look at reasons why people um, leave, right? They, they uh, leave companies, leave their bosses, leave um, the workforce, Generally, it has to do with lack of flexibility at work um, during these COVID periods, you know, and maybe even otherwise. Sometimes 
people um, feel that they're uh, required to be always on, especially in the tech world. We, we you know, we're, we're connected twenty four by seven. Therefore, we've, we're always on, and there's no clear separation between work and life. It can feel overwhelming. Um, and um, and and you know, you look at the diverse pool, uh, and specifically women, they have um, to to carry the burden of uh, of housework and caregiving and so on. Um, and then, uh, and, and then, look at the reality of being a um, minority at work. Uh, many of us could be blindsided by some of the decisions that we may not be fully aware of because we're not included, or we're not able to bring our whole selves to work. Um, and and so, those are some of the reasons why we should think about how to kind of overcome. Uh, these uh, these challenges and um, and make it a much more inclusive uh, place to, and and uh, uh, and create a sense of belonging for diverse talent. And I would say that um, you know in response to that, the I've uh, I've been at Microsoft for uh, three and a half years now, um, and I've worked for several companies in my career. Um, I am. Uh, I'm actually blown away. I'm really excited to to see how Microsoft has been um, creating a culture of uh, diversity and inclusion, which is uh, exceptional. Um, we've uh, Microsoft has offered, you know, um, leave during this COVID period to support those who who've required it. Um, there's benefits to commit to mental and um, Mental health and, and well-being all for employees. Um, there is recognition that uh, women of color are facing greater challenges. There's several conversations um, uh, on this topic. Even you know, while I don't think people are professing to say that we know the solutions to the issues, but there's um, a lot of really well-intentional um, intentional um, discussions and, and open discussions around microaggressions and so on. Um, and I think personally, I, I think about what I, you know, what I would do to retain and, if, um, uh, and I encourage a lot of other um, people who are who want to support uh, and have a passion around this to to do um, the same as to be visible uh, advocate for DNI in the company. So one of the things that I have done is, you know, uh, supported several initiatives within Microsoft, um, and and then most most importantly, have made myself available for those who uh, do have concerns or or have faced challenges and don't quite know how to take the next steps to overcome them. I mean that uh, you know when someone is in a uh, 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 not in a good spot is really when they, they seek help, right? And, and I think the, the important thing is to remove barriers to, um, uh, to make it easy for, for them to seek help. I love that. Across the board, the fact that, you know, the, the, like how you started with looking at it through the lens of why are people leaving, which is a great way to kind of capture, not the best of circumstances, but a, a good way to capture very good feedback about, you know, and, and get that feedback loop working to then drive some of the other initiatives that you talked about. You know, I, I love the employee resource group angle. I love the fact that, you know, you're talking about supporting people. Um, 
I think all of those things uh, will, will help with keeping people and them not thinking that the grass is greener on the other side and not supported and, you know, toxic workplace, all those kinds of things that sort of shove people out <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of being able to like, you know, keep them. If you've made the effort to like go out there and reach these communities, man, you want to double down and make sure that you, you know, begin to foster sort of a, a flywheel effect where as more people come into the organization, they feel included and they feel like this is a great place and then they can go out and recruit more people within their network. So I love I love all of the approaches that I heard about what, what's happening at Microsoft. So who is someone like yourself that you'd like to acknowledge as someone that is a leader in this space or you think might be a good guest on a podcast like this? Yeah, I um, I would like to uh, nominate Pat Filatio. Um, Pat is a tireless advocate for having um, diverse candidates brought to Microsoft. And he's actually been one person who's, um, who's debunked several myths in this area. Um, I would definitely recommend Pat Filatio to this show. He is a partner group PM manager at Microsoft Azure as well. Um, and then I can think of several other um, advocates, but uh, I Pat is the person I would recommend at this time. I like it. Sounds like you got a lot of good folks over on the Azure team because I already I've talked to Aisha Brown, um, who's over on the Azure team, and I talked to you. So the Azure team that you guys are representing for Microsoft, I say. Um, where can we find out more information uh, about maybe something that's going on with Azure? Are you doing anything, any kind of uh, events or anything coming up? Oh yeah, we have um, Azure is buzzing, <laughs> and, and I think most uh, you know the space that we're in right now, um, cloud and cloud adoption has um, has has been embraced extensively during the COVID post COVID period. As you know, um, you know most companies have moved and moved to almost all companies um, are. Uh, working in a remote model and therefore have uh, embraced uh, cloud technology. And um, and I, I think that's, so from the point of view of where can you find information, definitely at on our website at, um, uh, at Microsoft Azure. Uh, you know, if you're looking, just Googling Microsoft Azure, or particularly if you're interested in in the areas that I support, you can you can just look up um, HPC or SAP uh, on Azure, and you'll find all the links and and the act, uh, events that are upcoming. Awesome. So, most important question: What have you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm. Uh... Junk food junkie, <laughs> love it. Love uh, spicy, crispy treats. Um, but my older, wiser self has now grown to uh, grown to look for, I guess, natural, organic uh, snacks. And so my current go-to snack is a um, it's a sweet and tangy uh, organic dried mangoes, which are. Um, available in Costco, and I think the the brand is made in made in nature. So that's the one that I'm snacking on extensively these days. Nice. All right. So you gave me the cheat one, and then you gave me the real one. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. Well, thanks again for uh, from coming on the program and sharing um, all of these. I think wonderful 
approaches to diversity and uh, retaining talent. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mike. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snackwalls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The tech-enabled apprenticeship program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io.